If you've uh, been with us uh, throughout this year, um, you will know, and even if you haven't, that's okay as well. We are attempting or we are studying the whole counsel of God. We are studying the story of God as given in uh, his scriptures throughout the entire Bible. We're looking at creation and we're looking at rebellion and we're looking at the way Christ redeems us and we're looking at the way he will make all uh, things new uh, through his restoration. We're looking at the four-part story, if you will, of scripture. Scripture is made up of God's history uh, that flows through a story that we've been looking at uh, throughout uh, this year. And we've come to the New Testament, the, uh, Paul's letters to the churches, uh, where we see him investing his uh, life, investing uh, Christ's truths uh, into these uh, new believers in the faith. We've come up with um, we've come up with five uh, statements that kind of highlight the beauties of uh, this four-part story. You may uh, be familiar with some of them. God always has had a people. Uh, he's always been building his church. Uh, evil is real, uh, but it doesn't get the last word. What does get the last word? Well, we'll see today uh, that God's blessing uh, gets uh, the last word. God's blessing uh, in Jesus uh, we also see in the four-part story grace that God initiates and he pursues and he saves that Christ actually did something, that he's a real person, that he came to die for our sins on the cross to redeem our souls, to save us, and he actually accomplish, accomplishes that. And then lastly, everything is moving toward Jesus. You've seen that throughout this story as we've moved through the Old Testament and now landed uh, in the New Testament. Everything is pointing uh, to Jesus. Everything, all the promises, all the beauties, even the struggles with sin, they're pointing to a need uh, for a Savior. And so that leaves us with our three loves that if you came through the front doors this morning, you saw them on the wall, you'll see them on the way out. Uh, this story is meant to help us fall deeper in love with God, fall, enable us to love people better and certainly love our city, love our place, love that God is making all things new through us. So that's what we're studying this year. We're going to try to see that in First uh, uh, Thessalonians. I'm going to read um, for you this morning several verses, and I'm going to start. It's not going to be on the slide, so Brad, don't freak out. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to start and read the benediction because that's actually what we're going to focus on this morning. Uh, I'm going to read the blessing that's at the end of 1 Thessalonians. Then we'll pick up with some verses through the first three chapters. And then we'll read uh, the benediction again as we close. Uh, let's hear from God's uh, word. This is his truth. May he uh, write it on our hearts. Beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 
And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, as you'll see it on the screen before you. We give thanks to our God. This is Paul writing to the church. We give thanks to our God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us, concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And then in verse uh, chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's writing to the, Thess the Thessalonian believers about his affections uh, for them. We pick up in chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, but we were gentle among you, like, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And in the same way in verse 11, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. For you brothers became imitators of the, of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. And then Paul, uh, writing to the Thessalonians, he's, he's spent three chapters talking about how beautiful their relationship is and how much he loves them. And now he's just filled with joy at the thought. And we pick up in verse 19. Uh, For what is our hope our, or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. And then the benediction again, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now let's pray together. Father, these are beautiful words, beautiful truths, words that we need deep in our soul today. Words that you are going to keep us, that you are going to make us whole, sanctify us, make us more like Jesus each and every day, that all of this 
wholeness and blamelessness and more like Jesusness <laughs> is built on your faithfulness. Father, we need you to do it this morning. Press your truth deep into us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. How do you know, uh, let's start with this question. How do you know if you're continuing well in the faith? How do you know if you're continuing well in the faith? For me, if I don't want to air my dirty laundry before you this morning, but this week was hard. This week was hard, and there were a whole bunch of distractions and inconsistencies such that when I look back over this week, as Eric said in our, in our confession of sin, look, there's, I needed more time to confess. <laughs> I don't know about you. I needed more time to confess because there's a whole lot to confess for. Being so distracted and being so inconsistent. Maybe, listen, maybe you're here this morning and you're still on this journey trying to figure out Christianity. And you look around at other Christians and what you see is a lot of inconsistency. What you see is that a lot of Christians say one thing and do another. Christianity, the walk with Jesus, following Jesus is hard. Is it not? It's difficult, it's challenging. Certainly there are beauties, certainly there are times when we have so much joy, but then there's a lot of time where it's just difficult to trust Jesus. I struggled with that this week. I struggled with continuing well in the faith. I struggled to see how I was continuing well in the faith. How do you know? How do you know um, if, if you're growing in your relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's really hard to fight against sin and to see growth in our own lives and to know that you're becoming uh, more like Jesus. Well, Paul tells his friends in the Thessalonian church that you'll continue well in the faith if you live into God's blessing. If you live into benediction. Now, if that's an unfamiliar word to you, if you're visiting with us and you've never heard that word benediction before, it just means God's blessing or his promise. God's going to bless you. He's going to promise you that he's going to do work to you and in you and through you. If you're here week in and week out, you'll know at least one of my favorite parts of the service is when Pastor Dave comes up or myself come up and at the end of the service pronounce God's blessing on you. And what's usually what's Pastor Dave's charge? To live like you actually believe this. <laughs> to live like it's actually true, right? There's a beauty to these benedictions. You might even say that the four-part story is a story of God faithfully, continually blessing his people. You can see it all throughout creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration. God is always intent on blessing his people. And there's a beauty to God's benediction. The beauty is God is already doing in you what he promises. Have you seen that in your life? 
God is already doing in you what he promises, and you can expect him to continue. So as we look at 1 Thessalonians uh, this morning, we're going to look at what God's already been up to in the Thessalonians' life. Paul actually celebrates that in the first three chapters. We're going to look at what God's already been up to and how they're leaning into that and what they hope for. The benediction at the end of 1 Thessalonians is the framework. It's the framework of what God's up to. It's the framework for what they can expect. It's the framework for what they can hope. And Paul says, God's already doing it, but you need it all the more. God's already doing it, but you need it all the more. And so that's what we're going uh, to look at uh, this morning. Before we get there, we're going to have three stops this morning. Uh, the first is going to be the Thessalonian story. We need a little bit of background uh, to what, what these people were like, where Paul meets them, how he gets to know them. Uh, the, the Thessalonian church was a very, very young church plant. If you've read anything about the Thessalonian church, uh, it was very young. They would be, they would be considered uh, very young in the faith because Paul didn't get a lot of time to spend with the Thessalonian church. Why? Because he was run out of town. They thought Paul was a heretic. This whole idea that Paul would say the Messiah is the one who was hung on a cross, the crucified criminal, they, the Jews thought Paul was out of his mind. And so as he's planting this church, as he's developing this church, they actually thought Paul was a blasphemer. And so any followers of Jesus and therefore followers of Paul face severe hardship in the early first century. Uh, Paul's integrity was called into question at every turn. Uh, Paul and his friends were run out of town early in their time uh, with the Thessalonian uh, church. The, uh, the launch plan uh, for the new church plant had been somewhat thwarted. And so this, this church is on Paul's mind. He's concerned. He's concerned about these new friends that he's met, these new believers in Christ. He's concerned uh, that they may be susceptible to all sorts of things. Uh, if you look, if you have a copy of God's word and you look at um, chapters four and five, uh, Paul was concerned that they may be susceptible to false teaching. False teaching, especially about the second coming of Christ. And they struggled with that. They struggled with uh, those who taught a gospel. We looked at this several weeks ago. Those who taught a gospel that was contrary to the one that they were taught uh, by Paul. Uh, Paul was also concerned that they might abandon the faith because of persecution. Because they, were, because they were hurting, because they were being, being hunted down and chased after. Uh, again, if you have copies of God's word, you, you can see that in chapter two, uh, chapter one and chapter two, uh, where they thought they, they could give up the faith because it was just hard. You, you know what that's like, right? Life is hard. And sometimes it's difficult to hold on, to continue well in the faith. Uh, Paul also thought that uh, there was a host of temptation all around. 
the Thessalonian church really struggled with sexual, sexual morality. They struggled with sexual uh, idolatry. And so Paul is concerned that they might slide back into this trap of idolatry. You can see this in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. And whether new Christians or whether you've been at it a while, it's the same reality. How do we continue well in the faith? How do we continue well in the faith? That's what Paul wanted for his friends. Have you ever run into anything that's caused you to waver or struggle or doubt even? then you're in the same place as the Thessalonians. Um, God calls his people to camp out in his blessing. And this is the two things I want us to look at as we look at this benediction and look at the relationship between Paul and his people. The first is God's blessing equals more Christ-likeness. You can bank on it. God's blessing will equal for you more Christ-likeness. How do we live into becoming more like Christ? Being, as Paul says in chapter 5, verse 23, being sanctified completely. If God's going to do that, if that's the blessing that he pronounces on you, how do you live into that? Because that's going to equal continuing well in the faith. How do you live into the blessing of becoming more Christ-like. Well, if you look back at chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and look at chapter 2, verse 13, there was a humble eagerness to the Thessalonians, a disposition of humble eagerness where they wanted the gospel and they wanted other Christians in their lives. They wanted it deep in their lives, not just friendly fellowship and, hey, how are you and how's the weather? They wanted the gospel to confront them, to convict them, to get in their lives and mess it all up, especially if it meant looking more like Jesus. Look at this with me. There's a posture in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and in uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, the posture is that when these Thessalonians came to worship, they didn't expect to hear from Paul or Timothy or Silas. Who'd they expect to hear from? God. Dave and I get the question oftentimes, hey, who's preaching today? God. Right? That's what the Thessalonians expected. They expected when they came to worship to hear from the holy God. And not only did they expect to hear from the holy God, they expected the holy God to change their lives. In other words, when they came to worship, they expected to walk out different. Is that your expectation today? Is, is the word of God that powerful to you? The Thessalonians believed that they would not encounter any greater power throughout the week than the word of God's truth, the gospel that Jesus lived and died and was raised again for you to pay for all your sins. That is the greatest power in the world that Thess Thessalonians believed. And when they came in, they expected to hear that and they expected to walk out and be different. 
Is that your expectation? There's such confidence and certainty in no other thing than the good, uh, the good news of Jesus. Do you hear the eagerness and the anticipation and the weightiness that the gospel had in their lives? The fact that Paul says to them, when we gave you the gospel, you didn't call, it, this was not, Paul is not saying that they checked their minds at the door. What he is saying is that you received it as if it were God's word. It didn't come from me. It didn't come from Timothy. It didn't come from Silas. It came from God. That's how powerful and potent uh, it is. Is the gospel the loudest, most powerful voice you hear on a daily basis? Is it that powerful? Do you have that much hope and confidence and assurance in the changing power of the gospel in your life? Is the gospel more loud than your impatient boss? Is the gospel more loud than your thoughtless coworker? Is the, is the gospel more loud than your hurt spouse or a friend? Or a child, we see this all over the place. One word or one sentence can change a person's life. It can change the course of history. Is the gospel the loudest word in your life? If the gospel is just advice, then it doesn't hold much weight or power. But if it's the best news, the best story you ever heard, then you'll stake your life on it. At least that's what the Thessalonians were Pursuing, You'll know you're living into God's blessing if you're growing in your affection for God's word, for his gospel. But not just, they weren't just humbly eager for the gospel. They were also humbly eager for relationships. If you look at, um, if you look at uh, ch chapter one, you can find it in verses six through 10, chapter two, verses seven through eight, and 11 through 14, and 19 through 20. Paul uses words like imitation and joy and, uh, and, and being others oriented. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you've read any of Paul's letters to the churches, he always has a... Um, a portion at the very beginning where he gives thanks for the people that he's writing to. You can find this in all, it's, it's customary in uh, first century writings that you, you, you have this greeting and then you have this, this uh, time to give thanks for the people that you're writing to. And in almost all of Paul's letters, that section of thanksgiving is about a chapter, may, probably closer to a paragraph. Did you notice how long it was in 1 Thessalonians? Three chapters. Three chapters. Paul says, I love you guys. And I miss you. And you have my heart. And we have such a deep gospel connection. You're in my life. And you, God's used you to change me. And God's used me in your life to change you. We're not just acquaintances or friends. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, thicker than family. Because the blood of Christ is thicker. Paul says, you, you are my people. 
Paul spent uh, so much, he didn't spend a ton of time, but there was such a deep gospel uh, connection Deep and intimate um, was their friendship uh, such that they, Paul says, you wanted to imitate us. Now, think about this with me. Usually, <laughs> we want to be careful with that concept of imitating each other because, well, you can be inconsistent with who God's made you to be. Or you can be trying to be somebody that you're not. But Paul says, when you see the gospel in each other, that's worth imitating. That's worth pursuing. That's worth mimicking. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. That's the word. That we can actually imitate one another when we see the goodness. If somebody loved you really well, loved you so well that you want to love others because of that love. Somebody been so generous with you that you want to re respond with generosity. Somebody been so thoughtful and caring and kind for you that you want, it's more than just pay it forward. This is the gospel relationships changing people's lives. And Paul says, we imitate each other. We also find joy in each other. Uh, Paul also goes a step further to say, and, and this is really beautiful. We read it in the first chapter. Paul goes on to say, you guys, even though I haven't been with you, you've grown so much that the news of your faith in Jesus is spreading to the surrounding regions. People are hearing about your love for Jesus. And they want to love Jesus more because of you. Friends, you don't get that kind of activity and that kind of momentum and that kind of change in people's life that there's not deep, abiding, gospel-centered relationships. And the Thessalonians were humbly eager for that. They wanted it. They wanted it uh, in their life. Do you have this type of gospel relationship in your life? Let me start first. If you can answer that question yes this morning, here's my encouragement. You need to go tell that person how much you love them because we suck at that. Sorry for using that word. We're, we're not good at encouraging others. We're not good at going and say, hey, when you did this the other day, when you called me, when you text me, uh, when you reached out to me, I was really hurting, and you have no clue what that meant to me. I love you because of this. That's what Paul's doing in these first three chapters. He's saying to his deep, abiding gospel friendships, you mean the world to me. If you can answer that question, yes, if you have those type of gospel friendships, deep and abiding relationships in your life, here's my encouragement for you. Go tell them. We can't ever get enough encouragement in that way. If you don't have those type of gospel relationships in your life, here's my prayer for you, that you would ask the Lord to help you find that. And not only that the Lord would help you find that, but that he would also help you get over yourself and your insecurities 
and those things that you're fearful of to move into those type of relationships. It requires examination. It requires heartfelt uh, looking into our lives so that we can enter into these relationships. Paul says that you're going to be sanctified completely. You're going to be living into the blessing of God if you're humbly eager for the gospel and for gospel relationships. Can you see that in your life? Can you see evidence of that in your life? Last thing Paul encourages his friends is that you're living into gospel blessing. You're pursuing gospel blessing. Uh, You will be in God's blessing if you are kept blameless. I don't know about you, but I didn't feel very blameless this week. If you're kept blameless, and Paul says not only just kept blameless, but kept blameless in your entire soul and spirit (laughs) and mind. You know what he's saying? In every part of you, you're kept uh, blameless. Let's ask this question. What are you relying on? What What do you rely on weekly at work? Is it your skills and your abilities and your ability to process your steadiness? Uh, for, for our younger folks in here, what do you rely on at school? Your ability to comprehend, uh, your knowledge, uh, your relationships, your memory, um, your marriage, uh, your parenting, um, your relationships. What do you rely on? My guess is you probably, in some measure, rely on yourself. And the question is, are any of your abilities in any of these arenas able to make you whole? Able to make you blameless? Able to make your entire being uh, blameless? That's not to deny that there's not extreme giftedness in this room. <laughs> I want you to hear me say that. There, each of you are uh, uniquely gifted and gifted in beautiful, beautiful ways. It is to say, in all that beauty, there's not whole perfection, as Paul says in this benediction. There's not whole perfection. There's not enough reliableness in us to make us blameless in our whole being. You see that? Uh, do you feel that? Paul wants, his, Paul wants his friends to see that in order to be kept, uh, kept whole, to be made whole, it's a pretty impossible task uh, for daily living. If you, still, if you have your, uh, your Bible still open, look at chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 22. It's okay if you don't, I'll kind of highlight it uh, for you. Before Paul gives, before Paul pronounces this benediction on God's people, this is what he says. In verse 13, be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle and to encourage the faint-hearted and to help the weak and to be patient with them all. And then he keeps going. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, 
but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Can you do that? Can, can you, can, is there anything in you that's reliable enough to produce these things, to be able to do these things? Paul says you're going to be kept blameless in your whole being. Uh, how? Right? How? Well, Paul's relationship, his friends, the establishment of the church was built on not the Thessalonians' reliableness, but was built on someone else's reliableness, was it not? It was built on the one, the only person who had ever been at perfect peace with everyone. Uh, the only one who was able to admonish and encourage and help and be patient with everyone in need. He didn't repay evil for evil. He sought to do good. He rejoiced and prayed and gave thanks in all circumstances. Jesus is the only one that's ever been able to abstain from all evil. <laughs> and on the cross, he not only killed all the guilt and shame and punishment for all the ways that we're unreliable, but he granted to us all of his perfection so that we can live into and so that we could minister his forgiveness to others. You see, Paul wants his friends to know that even when their faith in Jesus feels so unreliable, even when it feels like you're not continuing well, that you're struggling that you're weak, that you're wavering. Paul says we're kept in Jesus' faithfulness. We're kept not in our, ability, our, our inability to do what seems um, right, uh, what we're created to do. We're kept in the truth that Jesus did it and that he will continue to do it. Are you, uh, friends, are you, are you utterly reliant on Jesus? Do you need him? Do you know and acknowledge and celebrate that any good in you is only because you are kept hidden away in him? <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. The blessing of God upon you is that you are kept whole and blameless and perfect because of what Jesus has done in you. Paul sees evidence of that in his friends. He sees evidence of that in his friends, but he knows they need more. He knows uh, they need more. Living into God's blessing is humble eagerness for the gospel any way you can get it. And it's looking for all the ways that you can be kept in Christ. Is that your desire? This table uh, for us this morning, it is celebrating humble eagerness. <laughs> it is celebrating humble eagerness and it is celebrating our keptness. You can come and receive Jesus blamelessness. 
That's what we're celebrating. You can come and receive Jesus' blamelessness, and you can celebrate and scream at the top of your lungs, hallelujah, because he has done it.